Welcome to Lesser Known Lewis, where two friends and C.S. Lewis fans explore his lesser-known works. I'm Sean. And I'm Jordan. Join us in Season 2, where Lewis will be our guide in the Christian life, teaching us to pray and helping us to reflect through the seasons of Advent, Christmas, and Lent. Hello friends, happy epiphany. Sean and I have hit a bit of a busy season, and so for the rest of January, we have Lewis-related content, but bonus episodes, if you will. That means not strictly essays of Lewis's that we're covering. Today's episode is a sermon that I preached last Friday on Epiphany. If you aren't used to celebrating the church calendar, uh, Christmas lasts 12 days and ends with Epiphany on January 6th, which transitions us to a season of ordered or ordinary time, and that goes until Lent. And this year, Lent begins on February 22nd, and I mention that because, well, in this second season of our show, we are following the church calendar Um, very closely, along with Lewis, as our guide to the themes of the church calendar. And as we go throughout our show and the different seasons, we will leave behind the church calendar for the most part, but every Advent and every Lent, and most Christmases, I think, will return with Lewis to the themes of Advent, Christmas, and Lent, and look at different essays that have to do with those seasons of the church calendar. And the reason we talk so much about the church calendar on this podcast is because I'm an Anglican, Sean follows the church calendar fairly closely, and of course, well, Lewis was an Anglican and practiced his faith in accordance with the spiritual practices, the theological truths and themes and disciplines and traditions that go along with the church calendar. So I thought maybe there are some of you who... Uh, don't follow the church calendar in all its depths, and maybe knowing more about that might be of interest to you at this point. If it is, um, I'm on another podcast from time to time called Missionary District with my friend, one of the pastors at my church. His name is Amos. Um, We did a little explanation episode on what the church calendar is and how it helps us follow Jesus. So I'll post a link to that episode in the show notes if anyone wants more understanding on the church calendar and what it is and how it came to be and why we love it and why Anglicans, like Lewis, follow it. Anyway, this week I was honored to be asked by my pastor if I would be willing to preach at our Epiphany service here at my local church. And to be honest, I almost said no because, as I mentioned, it's been a really busy couple months and I just didn't think I'd have the time needed to prepare a sermon. But as I was deciding, I was also preparing for our Weight of Glory episodes, and I thought I would just check out the texts for Epiphany and see what texts there were for me to preach on. The first one I looked at was Isaiah chapter 60. The first verse says, Arise and shine. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. As I kept reading the passage, it became clear that the study I had done for the Weight of Glory episodes was going to be directly applicable to this passage. And so perhaps I could double dip, as it were. 
So when I wrote this sermon, of course, I found myself heavily leaning on Lewis's The Weight of Glory sermon. And being that we were going to be without an episode this week anyway, and that our season is about Lewis guiding us in the spiritual life and the church calendar, I thought maybe I could then take the audio from my sermon and use it for the podcast and then kind of, I guess, turn it into triple dip, if, if that's a thing. Um, and then, I mean, also we had that episode at the end of our first season where Sean and I talked about what passages we could see ourselves using um, Lewis's different essays in if we were to preach a sermon. And, um, well, here's a taste of all that. If you are inclined to that, uh, here's a bonus episode for you, a sermon that I preached this week on Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 9, called To See and Shine the Weight of Glory. Oh, also, if you would prefer to watch the sermon, there is a link to the YouTube video of it in the show notes. Okay, so just to set the scene, Imagine it's Friday night, January 6th, the Christmas holidays have come to an end. Uh, People have come back together again after holiday travels and plans, and we had a special service where we brought tables in to the sanctuary, which is not usually how our sanctuary is set up, as you can imagine. We were sat together, feasting together for a while on meat and cheese and bread and salads, And then we processed in together, having our usual Epiphany prayer book service, and here is our Deaconess Kay Steele reading the sermon text. A reading from Isaiah chapter 60, starting in verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see, they all gather together. They come to you, your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, and young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news, and the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you, the rams of Naboth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? For the coastlands shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them. For the name of the Lord your God, and for the one, for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. The word of the Lord. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. 
Well, good evening, family. I hope and trust that you all had a Merry Christmas with your families, as I did, and um, it's just great to be with you this evening. Uh, kids, where are you all at? Are you still here, some of you? There's kids here. Yeah, I see you. Yeah. How many of you kids, I want to see a raise of hands, kids, how many of you got something just great for Christmas this year? Put up your hands if you got just an awesome gift. Yeah, I see a bunch of hands. Oh, I see some from not kids, too. That's awesome. I have another question for you, kids. How many of you got a great gift for Christmas, and as soon as you got it, you thought, I can't wait to share this with someone else? That was your first thought when you got your great gift. You're like, I can't wait to give this away. Some of you, wow, there's some great raised kids over here. This is amazing. That's not usually our first, our first thought when we get a great gift, is it? But that's the story of the passage from Isaiah that we read. It's the story where God's given us this great gift. He says, I'm going to give you my light and my glory, and other people are going to see it, and they're going to come to you, and I want you to give it away. I want you to arise and shine. I want to give you, I want to give, I want you to give my light away, give my glory away. So it's this question. I'm going to give you a great gift. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to keep it for yourself or are you going to give it away? And of course, kids, this past 12 days we've been celebrating Christmas. And at Christmas, kids, what's the gift that God gave us? Anybody? Yes. Yeah. Jesus is the gift that God gives us and that we celebrate at Christmas. And that's what we've been celebrating the last 12 days. But part of celebrating Epiphany is this question. Are we going to continue enjoying this gift of Jesus to ourselves? Or are we going to now begin sharing it with others? And I think probably the answer to that question should be obvious, right? We're going to share Jesus with others. And so one of the themes of Epiphany is mission. And so that's the end of my sermon. But I want to spend just a few minutes before I close on one word from this passage in Isaiah, the word glory. I want to look at the word glory and I want to think about what does that word mean? How is it good news for me and for you? What does it mean that Jesus is God's gift of glory to you and to me. Why is that good news? And then the third question would be, how does that help me do mission? If I'm then supposed to give away the gift of Jesus to others, if Jesus is God's gift of glory to me, what does it mean to then share God's gift of glory to other people? How do I arise and shine? How would I share God's glory to other people? So the first question is, what is glory? The second question is, what does that say about how Jesus is God's gift to me? And then the third question, how does that help me understand how I share the gift of Jesus with others? How do I rise and shine? So what is glory? There's a couple of meanings to what glory can mean, but I think the one that catches me the most and the one that has the, the, the meaning that hits the deepest is the meaning of fame. Glory means to be famous. 
And it's also kind of the most interesting because it's like, well, what has that got to do with any of us? Are any of us famous? Do any of us really care about being famous anymore? Probably most of us are thinking, I don't think we're supposed to want to be famous. Look around your table right now. Look to your left. Look to your right. Do you see anyone famous? Or is it just ordinary people? Mere mortals. See, I don't think we think of fame and glory together in this sense and think of it as something good in our culture, right? We think of it as something we shouldn't want. Because we've all grown up in this celebrity worshiping culture where everyone's chasing 15 minutes of fame. And we think of it as something bad. But what if it's actually coming from a good place? And it's something that our culture has corrupted and just turned into idol worship. What if the desire for glory and fame with our creator is actually a longing that we were all created to have? And it's actually a good longing. What if the longing for glory is simply a longing at its root, a longing to be accepted, a longing to be validated, a longing to be affirmed? What if the longing for glory is actually just simply a longing to be welcomed in and included? Because, again, most of us don't really care about getting fame and glory in this greater sense anymore. I think at least if, if most of us are over 25, we don't care anymore about chasing fame in Hollywood or on YouTube or in podcasts or at local movie theaters. But we, we all care about being accepted and affirmed and welcomed and included, we all just want to be noticed. And our longing for all of those things is a longing for glory. When we want those things, what we want is God's glory. And so it turns out we all want 15 minutes of fame with God. The longing for glory is that longing that a child has to hear the loving, well done that can only come from their father. So that's what glory is. That answers the first question. But the next question is, what's that got to do with Jesus and Jesus being God's gift to you and to me? Well, the good news of Jesus coming to earth as a baby human boy is that any who choose to be in union with that baby boy will hear God the Father speaking his well done, his booming, loving acceptance to them and to all of humanity, and they will receive that promise of glory. So that's the good news, the gift of baby Jesus. Um, to say it a different way, my good friend, C.S. Lewis, has this great sermon called uh, The Weight of Glory. And I just love how he explains the promise of glory 
um, and why it matters to us personally. He says that God's promise of glory, which Isaiah says has come, the promise of glory is the promise, almost incredible and only possible by the work of Christ, that some of us, that any of us who really chooses shall find approval, shall please God. To please God, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in, as an artist delights in his work or a, a father in a son, it seems impossible, a weight or a burden of glory, which our thoughts can hardly sustain, but so it is. That's incredible. So for God's glory then to rise upon us, as Isaiah says, what that means is that through Jesus, God not only notices me, but truly delights in me. And he's pleased with me. As an artist is pleased with his work, or as a father is pleased in a son. So obviously, that's a great gift to me. Or because as Lewis puts it in another place, he says, if God is satisfied with the work, and the work being me, then the work may be satisfied with itself. So when God's glory rises upon me, it totally undoes all my insecurities and all my inferiority complexes. His glory addresses my deep longings and anxieties. It heals all my old aches because I am given permission to be satisfied with myself by the artist who made me and sees me and who glorifies in me. So that's God's gift of glory to you and to me. And you begin to receive God's gift of glory when you begin to see yourself the way God sees you. What if you began to see yourself the way God sees you? Ask yourself that question. What if you began to see yourself the way God sees you? I bet if you did, you would start to stand a little taller and shine a little brighter, right? I bet if you did, you would start to arise and shine. And I bet if you began to see yourself the way God sees you, you would start to do mission. It starts to answer the third question about how do we then share God's glory with others? Because when you start to see yourself the way God sees you, you then begin to be able to help others towards that same goal of helping them see themselves how God sees them. I think sometimes sharing Jesus with people and doing mission becomes this really complicated and overwhelming task in our heads. At least it does for me. 
But I needed this reminder that it starts very simple. I think the first step of mission, of sharing God's gift of glory, of sharing Jesus with people, is simply beginning to see other people how God sees them. And he sees them how he sees you. He looks on them with love and delight. And he wants to welcome them in and affirm them and accept them. That's the first step. And then I think the second step would just be to share God's gift of glory with them is to then maybe start helping them move towards that destiny that God has for them as glorious, redeemed image bearers. So first, you see God's glory in them, and then you help them move towards God's glory. And probably you help move them towards God's glory by helping them see his glory for themselves. And it might not be an overnight thing. It might not be this aha moment necessarily. But maybe it's like, what's the next step? What's the next step they take in that moment towards God's glory? Maybe they just need to see God's glory. Maybe they just need to hear his well done. Maybe they can hear it from your lips. Maybe they can see his glory in you and through you. Because God longs to shine the light of Christ on them just as he has on you and on me. He longs to show them his glory, to save them, to sanctify them, to glorify them and to transform them just as he is doing with you and with me. And so he invites you and me to rise and shine in such a way that we can help our neighbors see the glory that he has hidden inside them. So I want to end by reading the ending of C.S. Lewis's sermon with you. But as I read this ending, I want you to look back around the room and around your table with fresh eyes. And it's going to be a little bit awkward because you just found out that you are sitting with famous people. These people are famous with God. And you didn't know that, so now it's a little bit awkward. But as I read this quote, I want you to think about how truly glorious these people are. Because Christ who is in them makes them glorious. And I want you to think about how God might be asking you to arise and shine and help them towards their destinies in bearing God's glorious image as well. So look to your left and look to your right and here's what Lewis says. The weight of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back, a load so heavy that only humility can carry it. It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and corruption such as you now meet only in a nightmare. 
All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in light of these overwhelming possibilities that we should conduct all our dealings with one another. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object present to your senses. If he is your Christian neighbor, he is holy in almost the same way, for in him also Christ, the glorifier and the glorified, glory himself is truly hidden. So when you look around at your neighbors, do you see what God sees? Do you remember that there are no ordinary people and you have never talked to a mere mortal? Do you remember that next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object that you can see? When you look around at your brothers and sisters in Christ, how do you see them? Do you remember that even if they're dull and un uninteresting, Christ, who is glory himself, is truly hidden in them. That the glory of the Lord has risen upon them and that the light of Christ has come to them as well. So will we share God's gift with the world or keep his glory and his fame, his delight and his pleasure to ourselves? Lord, give us the grace to arise and shine. Give us the eyes to see ourselves how you see us. And God, would you give us the eyes to see our neighbors as you see them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in and listening to my sermon. I hope it really blessed you. If you would like to join us again next week, I think we have something really exciting and special for you. The title of next week's episode is called No Ordinary Episode, An Interview with the Holiest Thing Present to Lewis, His Neighbor. I have an interview with a very special person, one of C.S. Lewis's neighbors from the 40s and 50s. So I hope you will tune in next week when we release the first part of that interview. It's a really special uh, time I had with my friend from church, Terry. He's a wonderful person and had some really special things to share about his unique uh, perspective and insight into the life and person of C.S. Lewis. Until then... Feel free to give us a like, a review, uh, contact us at lesserknownlewis at gmail.com or on Instagram or our new webpage, pintswithjack.com slash LKL. We'll be with you again next week.